0: This is the first part of Chapter 4 of Lundertain's book, War on Waste Innovation, Change Issues. The war on waste is all about creating a changed work environment. To create this change, there are a lot of issues that need to be addressed. We try to understand how these issues can influence the resulting company of our efforts. Black Knights, for example, are hindrances to the change process. If you want to improve a business and survive in today's competitive world, you'd better know about change. Change. Three keys to change. Plus ça change, plus ça, même ça change. Non. The more it changes, the more it remains the same. It's an old French expression. I have been an advocate of change that leads to business improvement for a long time some have called me a change agent for a long time. I like that term. Then one day after I'd worked with a particular CEO for two years, I realized that I was no longer the agent of change. I'd become a pain in the ass for this client. At first, I was welcomed with open arms. As time progressed, my ideas had found their way into the culture of the company, and a new paradigm was created with the company. We called that the tribal knowledge paradigm, but I had served my purpose. After this particular CEO had gotten a two-year dose of my change ideas, he just didn't want me around. I don't think he was mad at me. He was mad at what I represented. I represented change. I was the change agent. This particular CEO knew that when he saw me, that he was going to have another idea I was going to have another idea to improve his business. Each idea made him money, but he was getting tired of the change. He had not gotten my message that if he wanted to succeed in business, that he was going to have to live with change. That is the way of business. I never really understood him. I was helping him make money, and he was making lots of it but he got tired of having to continually change what he was doing. But I had also missed it as well. There is only one change change agent in a company, and that is a CEO. The CEO is in charge of change. In fact, we define the management of change to be one of the responsibilities of every CEO. It cannot be assigned or delegated it is the CEO's job. My problem was that I didn't understand that earlier. I thought that the change agent should be someone from outside. No wonder the CEO got mad at me. I tried to take his job. This CEO knew that something wasn't right. And so we corrected it by terminating my services with his company. To be a CEO in today's world, you'd better get used to it because good old days are going to be six months ago. It really takes guts to be a CEO when you live in today's world of a global economy. A product may originate in Germany, be developed in California, be mass-produced in Malaysia, and so on. The exciting part of that equation is that the whole process only took seven months to materialize the idea and take it to full production in three steps across three continents. The CEO of this discussion was helpful in defining the issues that led to the tribal knowledge paradigm. His resistance to change was based upon my being a forcing function of change. I thought that I was being righteous in my push for change. But what this situation showed me was that I couldn't be the face of change. I had to be a mentor. I couldn't lead the change or the charge. The CEO needed to. So when we figured out that the tribal knowledge paradigm was centered on the CEO's commitment to make improvement of tribal knowledge a touchstone of management, that the change programs work. They worked because I wasn't leading the charge. The CEO was, and we got all the managers involved in the process. In fact, getting all managers to help the CEO was one of the foundation principles of the tribal knowledge paradigm. So in this paradigm, change is everything. Change is ongoing. It is a way of life as it should be. Ideas for improving tribal knowledge are s- sacred and must be treated as such. They go to the Tribal Knowledge Council for a hearing and blessing, if appropriate, and change goes on. That's the way it should be. The need for change. All of the management gurus of the last 50 years have advocated various forms of change agency. But before we can comment about those forms of change. I would like to comment about a more basic issue, and that is the need to change. Change is a given in business. One, the products that you announce today are coming to you at t- tomorrow from unscrupulous overseas competitors who steal product designs and come into your market with your own designs. So you have to respond in some way if litigation and patent infringement are not options. You have to change the way and the speed with which you introduce new products. That alone will require a change in your business. Number two, world economies are changing. The exchange rate of the dollar in the international arena has a positive or negative effect on the attractiveness of your products in the global market. You have to respond. Change in costs of a product needs to be aggressively pursued. You need to change your tactics and even your strategies to survive. And point number three, every solution that you come up with today for any business is going to create problems tomorrow for the simple reason that the logic and the reasons that guided your solution just six months ago are no longer valid. You need another solution. You need to change. The basic three needs, three keys to change. When you look at what you need to do to change, consider these three principles. These conditions have to be met before change is possible. And the keys are the ability to change, the willingness to change, and the systems that support the change. In other words, policies, procedures, etc. Ability to change. I remember one of my clients was exasperated with his employees. He wanted to implement a new computerized MRP information system. He brought the employees into a room and spent about 45 minutes with them, telling them how great the system was. They had no hands on experience, and he sent them out to interact with this new, very complex computer system. Mind you, The concepts are not that complicated, if you had time to study them. It turned out that this particular CEO didn't know very much about MR systems before he spent about six months investigating them. From my perspective, he and his inventory control manager had made a wise selection of their MRP software. The CEO and his inventory control manager knew the system but it takes more than 45 minutes to expect employees to understand the intricacies of any MRP system. Needless to say, the employees didn't have the knowledge or the ability to understand a new system, and so change was going to be difficult and slow. I could have chosen a number of examples here from probably every client that I've ever had and pointed out a failure of change project because the participants in the change didn't have the ability to change. They didn't know enough to make the change a lasting process. In order to do anything successfully one must possess the ability to do it. So to allow an individual to perform a new job or task we must provide him or her with knowledge, skill or capability. Typically we do this by providing training. Clearly there is no point in asking anyone to do a job which he or she lacks these tools. Neither desire nor management pressure can assure successful change. For employees to perform differently, managers must be certain that the employees can do the work. And the only way to guarantee that is to ensure their ability to do, to do the work is a thorough education. Willingness. I don't know how many times I've said this, but if you don't want to change, I can't do anything about that. Willingness to change is an ability, individual's commitment to himself or, and no one else. If you don't want to change, I can't help you. I could show you all the reasons that the final result of the change is something that you should want. But if you don't buy into that, then I can guarantee you that the change will not occur. Just look at weight loss programs. Even as one needs an ability to do a given job or task, one needs to be willing to apply that ability. Very often, the ability is present, but the willingness is not. Therefore, the desired behavior does not occur. Willingness in an organization may come from many sources. For example, from an understanding of what is desired or desirable, from peer support, or from our value system. Thus, if you do not believe that your boss truly desires that you take on a specific, certain behavior, you will probably not do so. Additionally, if there's no understanding of why that behavior is important or how it might affect the organization's goals, the employee might not be able to make the desired behavioral change. It is also possible that one's peers or social group or union might disprove of taking on the change in behavior task or role. This could lead to the individual's failure to use his ability. Organization history is full of stories of employees restricting output due to peer pressure against rate busters and company men. Employees might also have values. That prohibit engaging in the desired behavior. For example, an Osha inspector might deem it desirable for the cowboys on a ranch to wear safety equipment such as hard hats, and there is little question that the cowboys have the ability to wear hard hats, but would they? That isn't likely. It would conflict with a certain value system that holds cowboy hats not hard hats as essential. To ranch work. I wrote this as a comment here. I wrote this when I saw a rodeo Brahma Bowl contest and one of the cowboys had a helmet on. Forgive my literary license in this example. That is the end of part one of chapter part, chapter four. Next time we'll cover the systems that support the change. Thank you very much for your time. See you next time.